0: Hey everyone, BT here. The Oxford Dictionary defines passion as a strong and barely controllable emotion. Now, we're not 100% sure that that definition truly captures what passion is. So, on this Full Throttle Thursday, David and I are talking a little bit about what passion is, where David's passion came from, and how his lifelong love of learning continues to grow each and every day. We hope that you are able to find your passion and you can start by coming in and listening to this episode. So let's get to it.
1: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. I wanted to talk about passion. Yeah, that's
0: fine. So I've got a few things
1: I up well, to the, sleeve. The, yeah, the idea is that uh, uh, people are looking in the wrong place to find a thing that, that they love. They're, they're, we're programmed with this idea that uh, we're, we need to find something that we enjoy, find something that's our passion, find something that that uh, is our purpose or that, that we love doing and the thing is is that it keeps people blind to it all their life. It, when they decide to show up in joy and love and passion to whatever they're doing, they'll be led right to the thing. I like it. It's it's really weird. It's it's well I mean it's the story of what happened to me, right? Yeah. I mean like I'm a complete dick and hate everything and whatever and then I change and everything changes instantly. Like it's the craziest fucking it's the craziest thing. But, I mean, how many years have we watched people do this over and over yeah, again now, right? Yeah, very true. If a person can find a way to change their, their attitude, if they seriously want to change, and they're willing to put down their judgments and show up in those states of love and passion and, and really give it to what it is that they're doing, not only does the state of what they're doing change, but the things that they could not see change, right? Because, well, look at it like this. If I want to find something that I naturally am, pa- am passionate about, but I'm coming from this place where I hate everything, how do I see that? Right. Right? Because the hate is not in the thing. The hate's in me. Sure.
0: You got to work on yourself yeah, first. Yeah,
1: because I'm looking I'm looking through a filter of hate. There, like, let's say I hate doing this right, right now, yeah. right? Yeah. This is just this. this. This isn't hate or love or, or anything, right? It. This has no energy to it. Out, it doesn't judge itself right sure. it just is so I bring me to the plate and when I was on the dock I showed up every day and I was nasty and cranky and curmudgeoning and you know disappointed in myself like it was just complete negative there was nothing wrong with the doctor people that worked on that doctor loved that loved job it. loved it that job probably stayed it. their whole life sure working there supported a family uh and I'm thinking I got to find something outside of myself that I like and I can't, and I'm figuring out, and I kept, the other thing was that I'm sitting there trying to figure out how the fuck do I get out of here, right? Like, it's like being in prison. Well, it was like, it was like O'Quan was saying yesterday, right? Sure. He, he, he had that a moment of awareness where for the first time he heard the sparrow on the razor wire and it had been there for how many years? Right. He had been in that yard and the birds were there. He just never he couldn't hear him. He couldn't hear him. He was too, the voice in his head was just too, too loud. loud. And then all of a sudden, the prison turned into his sanctuary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a tease for for next week's episode for sure. Well, what I really wanted, what I love about what you just said right there, is that it's not just about showing up. Like you can't just show up because you clearly were showing up at the dock. You were putting in your time. Yeah, I was but doing You that. were miserable, right? Absolutely. But you but you you still have to show up. But it's how you show up yeah. that makes all the difference. Right. I think what's important for our listeners to know when we're talking about passion is, you know, the the Oxford Dictionary defines passion as a strong and barely controllable emotion, which, <laughs> which I find when I read that I kind of chuckled a little barely bit to myself. I'm like, it's barely emotion. controllable emotion. But how you talk about
1: sounds, that, that sounds more like anger to me. It does not sound passion. like anger. And you
0: know what, you know what else is fascinating? <laughs> huh. As as a as a, a the opposite of passion is peace, which I don't understand that as well. So when you go on the internets, just go with an open mind. What we're talking about today is basically passion and how you show up and in what it is that you are working on inside of yourself that is going to help you move your, you know, your life, your business, your career, your relationships. I mean, passion touches pretty much everything in your life as long as you allow it to.
1: Yeah. Which I think is important. Yeah. Uh- I get where they're coming from, where the opposite of passion is peace, but I think that they're that's coming from a a, a terrible misunderstanding of what passion is. They're thinking passion uh, with a with a sexual connotation. Okay, to it, I think. Sure. Um, and they
0: also use um, passion as a religious connotation as well, you know, like the passion of the Christ. You hear that a lot. They That was a, that was actually the first definition is that, that's that I looked at. Definition. Yeah, that's also yeah. in the definition as well. But I chose the one that most suits what we're about to converse on so, today.
1: So I don't know that this is where this comes from, but I do know that there's a, been a misunderstanding for a long, long time. The whole idea uh, that what Buddha was talking about, you know, Deta- that that attachment causes misery and suffering. People very much misunderstand that idea, and uh, I mean, you know, you're, we we live in a physical body. We're attached to it, right? We we get attached to things. We're grounded uh, to the earth. the The idea, the attachment that the the attachment that Buddha was talking about, is no different than in the Christian religion. In um, The idea that uh, it it says, don't put any other gods before me. So the idea is this. We should be following what our bliss is inside of us, but you have to have it first, right? If I'm not following my bliss, what am I following? I'm following rules. I'm following values. I'm following do's and don'ts that I'm given by family and society, and I'm looking for something. What I don't, what most people don't understand is that there's this other intelligence inside of ourselves, beside of our intellect, and that intelligence is actually looking for the harmony that we should be in with the universe as a being, as a physical being. Proctor used to say all the time. He would be like, "Every other critter on the planet is perfectly at home in its environment, but not human beings, because we're." Our, our faculties allow us to create our environment, right? We're not born into an environment where it's like, if we take you out of this environment, you can't adapt to something else. I mean, we've adapted to every freaking right. environment, including going into the outer space. Like we've, we're able to adapt to all these different environments. But the, part of the reason for that is that we have an intellect that allows us to do it. But we make a big error. We think the intellect is the only intelligence that we have, and it's not. And most people are never, ever, ever taught this. The intellect is an intel. It's a piece of intelligence that we have, but we have other intelligences within our being that are constantly looking for the resonance of why we're here. What 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 are we going to do with our life? How we live? How we mate with other people? How we have relationships uh, in our lifetime? and if those are not developed into any sense of understanding we don't know that they cause conflict because you you may have you may have an intelligence inside of you that's really pulling you in a direction and the only way that you can describe it is feeling maybe it's passion okay and i'm not talking about sexual passion right. i'm just talking about like something doesn't feel right about this place and i mean i feel like i should be someplace else i can't tell you how many thousands of people have said that to me over the years and i had that experience also. So, so then I screw up, right? I make the error of bringing my intellect in to solve this problem. I was on the dock driving a forklift. I was a high school dropout. I had taken on all this responsibility. I didn't, I did not know how to deal with my life in any mature way whatsoever. We were blowing money, uh, that we didn't have. We were, we were very impulsive with money. Um, we, and, and that wasn't the only problem. I mean, we even reined that in a little bit and still, we just weren't making enough to be able to, to make it work. So I'm thinking to myself, how do I, here to bring the intelligence in again, how do I get out of this situation? And I'm trying to figure this out for a number of years. The whole time I'm trying to figure it out, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, my wife is not figuring it out either. You know, we're, We're using what we think is our intelligent intellect to try to solve the problem. I'm working. She's working. We're doing everything that we possibly can. We realize that we made mistakes. Now we're trying to turn them around, and it's just progressively getting worse. And then while it's doing it, I'm also having the experience of like, I don't know what it is. I know I'm supposed to be someplace else, but uh, I don't know where that is, and I don't know how to get there but I keep trying to solve the problem with my intellect. And then one day, I have this experience, right, it's, which is almost an out-of-body experience in the back of that trailer, where I hear that voice that says, change your attitude. And you can look at it a lot of different ways, but really, if you, if you wanna think about it, if a person really thinks about this in a more holistic way, I, I did change something in my intellect, but it aligned with the other intelligence that was in my body. So it got me in more of an alignment, right? I acted like I love what I did. And it wasn't just like, I'm gonna show up like a complete prick and act like I'm in love with what I'm doing. I completely let go of who I was because I knew that it wasn't working and I had no idea. I was ready to try anything at the time. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna act like I love what I do. I worked really hard at doing that. How, if I completely love this, she's like, here's more of the story. So I have this, I have this experience. I decide I'm gonna act like I love what I do, do everything to the best of my ability, and treat everybody with total respect. I go home. Next day I wake up. Now I have to do it. You have to, right? Yeah, right. And I'm you driving have- to work, and I'm I'm in the same foul mood that I'm in every day when I'm going to work, and I'm thinking to myself, how do I do this? It never it never dawned on me in the trailer the night before how I was actually going to do it. Now I'm realizing, okay, now I have to figure out how I'm going to do this. So I, so I start a series of asking myself questions. Okay, first of all, is there anything in my life that I absolutely love, right? And I realized there was. I love to fish. I love to be on a boat when I was a kid. I love to be in nature. And it didn't take any effort to have that feeling of love at that time. So what I did was, is in my mind, I would imagine my drive to work was like the drive to Wisconsin when I was a kid. That was such an amazing drive. Every time we went, it was an adventure, right. you know? You and feel we feel it
0: building as you got closer to those Yeah, lakes. yeah, you have yeah. rituals. You
1: would stop at a yes. certain store, and you would pick right. up certain things and snacks, and yeah. you got to have this, and you got to have your all your stuff. Put you right, in the right energy. Yeah, so on my way to work, I imagined that I was on that trip to Wisconsin. And then when I got to work and I got on the forklift, it was like, I, in my mind, I imagined I was getting in the boat and i spent the whole day in the boat and what it did was even though it was just com- a complete use of my imagination it put me in the it put me in the vibration of what that felt like so i didn't have to come from a place of forcing myself to love what i did i was in a state of love because i was imagining myself doing something that i loved even though i was doing something that the day before i i couldn't stand But this is the incredible thing about the universe. It doesn't matter what the reason is that you're doing something. It just matters whether or not you do it. You can do something for the wrong reason or do it by accident uh, or do it without any knowledge and you still get the same result because it's cause and effect. So that's what I did. And, and the, and to my, and I was prepared to do it for a year, right? I made this commitment my, to myself. I'm going to do this for a year. And you know me, like if right. I'm not buying into something, I don't You're care out. how many times I say it, anything. Yeah, it's not, deuces, it's deuces not yeah. sure. Right. So I learned that about myself, but this, I was prepared to do and it changed in a month. My whole universe changed in a month. Everything changed. And, that, and that's when I realized that there was something else about this idea that I needed to understand what happened, because this just wasn't luck. And then, of course, over the years, I realized all the fundamentals of this. Like, I'm looking at my world through a filter of sadness and hate and grief and anger and betrayal, like all the different things I went through as a kid and, you know, like all this nonsense And I'm seeing my world through that, and as I see my world through that, that's all that reflects back to me. So if that's all that reflects back to me, and I'm coming from the place of using just my intellect, I have to change the thing that I'm doing because I think the thing that I'm doing is causing me to feel the way that I'm feeling. And when that changed, then I found my passion. I instantly found it. I didn't even, I found it and I was doing it and I didn't even realize I was doing it because I became... Obsessed with the idea of finding out how I changed, and and you know that what the the rabbit hole that took me down with mentors and books sure. and seminars study, like I study study yeah it's still like it's like I can't get enough of You're it I there? love it more than anything that's almost any time that's what I would rather be doing is is learning about something so. There's a harmony there that requires no effort on my part whatsoever. I just do it naturally and love it. You don't have to force anything. And I think the biggest difficulty is when a person believes they have to do something, yet they know that they should want to do they want to do something else and they think that they have to go find their passion, they stay lost their whole life.
0: Wow. What there's so much to unpack in that, but what really stood out to me the most was the mindset shift it must have taken for you to be able to on your drive to work, which I assume was many, many mornings of just bitter resentment, frustration, and anger building up as you went to that dock every single day, and for you to make the commitment that you're going to change, drive as if you're driving to Wisconsin, get in the forklift as if you're getting yeah. into the boat, the visualization and the the power it must have taken for you to do that because here's what I know. When you're, when you wake up in a foul mood, you alone can change that in an instant. You can, you can do what needs to be done in that moment. A lot of people will say, nope, if I'm, if I'm cranky, there's no way I can get out of it. That's, that's just a line of bullshit. You can get out of it, but you made that conscious effort to get in, get in the car, yeah. drive to Wisconsin, get in the boat all while being on the dock in Chicagoland. It, it just blows my mind that you're able to do that. And, continue doing it. It's one thing to do it one day, right? And then do it a second day. And you want to
1: gra- know how granular this got? So yes, check this out. Totally. I want to know. This so, is great stuff. So uh, I had uh, an old Ford Escort wagon, right? Because our car was repossessed. I had $300 cash to be able to buy a used car. You can't get much for 300 wow. So that car, so I. Were, so the, if you remember the story, we had to leave our apartment in the middle of the night. We lived in a town called West Chicago at the time, which has nothing to do with Chicago. It's just the name of a, of a suburb called West Chicago. And we moved uh, way far away, 56 miles away. So I was 50, 56, 58 miles away from where I was working. It took a quart of oil in the car to get there and a quart of oil to get home. That's how much oil that car burned, okay? Damn. Now, every day was like am I going to make it to work? It was that type of a that type of a thing. So I would go to like the farm and fleet and I would pick up a case of the cheapest freaking oil that we could buy because that's all an oil, you it know, was it's not cheap, right? So it you not. yeah, so you ca- case of oil and it's literally in the back hatch of this of this Ford Escort wagon that I'm driving that's just beat to shit. So every day when I would add the oil, in my mind, it was like adding the oil. Remember when you used to have to add the oil to the gas for the boat motor? Yes. Yeah. So it was like, that's in my mind, that's how granular it was. Wow. Like, like I'm visualizing the same thing you got to do, because like you got to put the, mix the oil in with the gas for the boat motor. It's a two stroke, right? <laughs> yeah. To go like, that's the way that I'm thinking in my, in my mind about it to every little, every little detail. Um,
0: and your body is there though. That's the thing about the, the, you know, your, your your subconscious mind, it doesn't know that you're putting, you know, gas into this piece of shit car. You're putting it into your boat. You're going for fishing. Yes, yes. your, Your subconscious mind knows that and you put yourself in that energy and then good things start to happen for
1: you. I would do, I would do as many of the same things as I could for the trip. Right. I literally put my fishing poles in that car and I drove around with them. I would stop at the store and get the same kind of snacks, right? And I would right. do as many of the things as I could do to to use my imagination in a way where it literally felt the same way because what I found was if I did that, if I acted like I was actually doing it, I actually felt the same way I did when I was getting ready as a kid to go on that trip to Wisconsin. And that amazed me. And I was like I can do this. This is one way for me to be able to keep my, I didn't use, keep my word at the time, but be able to stick yeah. to what I was saying to do. And it worked. And then I, I'm always very grateful <laughs> to the fact that it happened so fast because sometimes I think to myself, I don't know if I could have kept that up for a year, but when everything changed, it was like, there's no question. There's absolutely no question. It was like a whole new different universal door open. Now, What I know now is that anybody can make that door open that fast. But the key to making that door open is that you're absolutely at the end of your dealing with holding on to the nasty shit. I was ready. I was completely ready. Between going through the dam, um, going bankrupt, having the car repossessed, having to flee in the middle of the night, other mistakes that I won't even get into that were just like one after another after another, it was kind of like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm obviously making terrible fucking choices. I don't know why I'm making these choices, um, but I need to do something different. And that was the only thing that I knew to do. And I didn't even know it was just like. And I and and there are many times, not just then, but many times in my life, where I thought to myself, "Is this freaking crazy? Like, am I completely losing my mind?" And I have had times also where I've had the same experience with other things that later turned out to actually be a mistake. But when I first entered into it, it was kind of like, there's some weird sense about this. I might be on the right path or this might actually be a disaster. So sometimes it hasn't worked out, right? Because the front end of it can look the same. But sometimes these things have a long-term, there's like a longer-term reason. And it may not work out in the beginning, but then you find out because this happened, you were led into something and you couldn't have gotten there any other way. You it had to go this way in order for you to get to this other place, which is I think it's also absolutely fascinating. I, I mean, that's how I met Proctor, right. right? That's how I actually met him as a human being. It was through a mistake that I met him. It, it, I met I've met so many people through errors that I've made. I've been introduced to so many different things through errors that I've made, and it's kind of like okay, it there is no error, right? It it you just don't understand the reason you're doing something in the moment because it's leading you to something else. So you need to be able to do it. So we get fucked up with the idea of right, wrong, good, and bad. If we remove that, it's just here's the path. And there's weird shit on the path sometimes, right? No no question about it. But that's what it is.
0: I used to tell my kids the same thing when I would teach um – and this is, you know, taking a little segue around like mathematics problems. There are many, many different ways to arrive at the answer, but you still have to arrive at that answer. Just like there's many ways for me to go from here at this office to get to my house. I can go a myriad of different ways to get there, but the destination is still the same. So, you know, hearing you talk about, you know, these happy accidents along the way and you connect the dots going back, I find it fascinating that We as humans judge pretty much everything we do and we're always looking outside of ourselves to see, you know, is, is, is this the right path? Am I on the right path? We hear people, you know, in events ask you all the time, how do I know if I'm in my passion? I mean, for you to answer that question, you can't answer that question for someone. They need to be able to say, I am in my passion. Let me ask you this. I can only assume that passions can change over time or maybe not change, but evolve over time. What is your take on, like, this is my passion when I'm 18, this is my passion when I'm 29, this is my passion when I'm 49. Are passions something that evolve and change? Or if you're truly in your passion with that alignment like you spoke of, is that just the one and done situation?
1: So I'm going to answer it, but you, you mentioned something that triggered a memory for me that I wanted to talk sure. about. And I'm sure you mentioned it because you were a teacher for so long. You're talking about math. Right. When I was a kid, I there was an interesting thing when I was a kid. I didn't study. I didn't pay attention in school. My mind was always off in some fantasy land, or I was cracking jokes or being the you know the, the joker or whatever. The class clown. The class clown, yeah, something like that. I was one like of those that. too, believe me. And I never did homework. Just couldn't get myself to do it. Didn't matter what they did. If I got spanked, if I got sent to my room, didn't matter. Couldn't do it. I was just always off reading a book or somewhere else, building a model, something. But when it came down to take the test, 90% of the time I would pass the test. And I remember a distinct, because this is where this this got really weird. This is where I actually started to get in a little bit of, of experiencing people being pissed at me for this. In math. So I would do the math and I would come up with the answer, but I couldn't show the work. And they would be like, you have to show the work. And I'm like, but the answer, is the answer right? You know, like it doesn't matter. The answer's right. You got to show the work, right? Like long division and, you know, yeah, like sure. algebra and all that shit. You have to show the work. And I could come up with the answer, but I couldn't explain how I was doing it in my mind. And I was not doing it within the steps that they were teaching. And I found out that there's a lot of people like that later on when I became an adult. But in school, you got to show the work. You do. You got to show the work. You got to show the work.
0: Yeah. It's it's right? the default. It, it Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because it was mandatory for us. Even on standardized tests, we had to include the work with the bubble sheets to send off to the state yeah. because they had to show the work, even if they arrived at the right answer because their initial thought is, oh, they must be cheating. Right. They've got the answers ahead oh, yeah. of Yeah. Oh,
1: oh I was accused of cheating all the time. Yeah, you wow. have to be cheating. There's no way that you could, you could do this, but they couldn't figure out how I was cheating. I remember... I remember getting my knuckles slapped with a ruler when I was in Catholic school one time because they were certain that I was cheating, but they couldn't prove, they couldn't prove it. But because they knew that that's what it was, I got disciplined for it. And I remember being so flippant angry. Sure. Like, Like, I knew what it was, but they didn't understand me. And I couldn't explain why I knew. And sometimes in my mind, I thought I was guessing. It was a weird thing, T. It was yeah, really sure. weird. Because there were times where, you know, you get the A-B test where you have to mark yes. with the pencil yeah. and the little thing. Start I would designs. just be like A-B, A-B, A-B. Yeah. I would go down some of those. But other tests where I actually had to come up with an answer, sometimes I thought I was guessing, and the answers would always be right. And I realized I wasn't guessing. Somehow I knew what these answers were. Yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> but I would get into all kinds of serious trouble. And then they would bring my parents in, mostly my father, and they'd be like, my mother used to love to tell this story later on once I became successful she she got a kick sure, out of this sure. that the teachers would say, "I can't hold him back because he gets every fucking test correct, but he doesn't do any work, right? So in fourth grade, my mother made them hold me back a year wow because because they were so stuck on the idea that I needed to approach life from their framework like I, because she said you can't keep." What was the word she used to use? Um, you can't keep, uh, like, um, just skating through life. Yeah. Like, the idea Sk- was, like, you're cheating or something. Right. You can't just keep doing this the easy way. It needs to be hard. And I got held back in fourth grade, and she did the same thing to my brother. Wow. Same thing to my brother. And I think it had a little bit more detrimental effect on my brother than it did me. Um because I was, I always figured out another way. Like yeah. I was always scheming. Well, I something. I mean,
0: it's it's an entrepreneurial mindset
1: from from it jump. Is. It really it is. is like, but I didn't know that. you
0: didn't know that. But nowadays, as we are, you know, living in the twenty twenties here, that's there's actually magnet schools that teach entrepreneurialism in younger yeah. grades now. So what you were doing all those years ago is now completely accepted in today's day and age, because we, not all people learn the same way and not all kids learn right. the same way. And you proved that in your entrepreneurial mindset. It's fascinating. I don't remember you telling me about you being held back based on the idea that, oh, he's got the, he's got the marks, but he doesn't apply himself. It's so interesting that we have to apply ourselves in that moment because clearly you had a passion for learning. You just wanted to learn on your own terms. I did. Period. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But back then, that they did was not deal with it. they did not know how to deal no. with it. Because no. every kid should learn the exact same way. And if you don't learn that way, you need to go down to room eight with all the kids that don't know how to learn. Right? <laughs> right. Roommate. Roommate I, was the room. Right. It was the room that they would send the kids down that right. didn't learn the same way that other people
1: learn. So I it was had, interesting. In high school, uh, The one one of the things that I was interested in as I started to get older was in high school was, was cool because there were other things we could do. We could start doing more adult things. And I was really fascinated with auto shop, right? I right. loved, I loved mechanical things. My father was a mechanic for a long time and I got, I would tear things apart, telephones, tape recorders, anything. And sometimes I'd put them back together and they worked. And sometimes they didn't. I just loved tearing things apart. Like go figure, right? Sure. So there's uh, uh we have auto shop and there's a couple of different teachers for auto shop. And one guy was he was known, like he was the teacher. You wanted to go to auto shop, this is, and I I was kind of like, this is probably my path in life, right? So I wanted this teacher, but I was stuck with this other guy, his name was Mr. Rupert, and the guy, so here was the deal. They didn't have to know anything about auto shop. All All they had to do was have a degree in industrial arts, right? They didn't have to know about auto shop, and this guy didn't know shit about auto shop, and he couldn't teach us about auto shop. So, so oh, being the, I know where being this the kid that I was, <laughs> I this is going. I, so I go to the dean's office and I'm like, I want to go to this class. The, the other teacher approved it. He said he'll they'll let me transfer the class, but Rupert denied me. He wouldn't let me do it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix this guy. So we had to do, so we would do this thing where they would, uh, we had, we had, you know, big eight cylinder engines on, on stands sure. and we would work on it. And part of it was diagnostics, right? So um the, the kids would stand out in the hallway, the teacher would do different things to the engine. You would come in and you would have to diagnose the problem, right? So I was so convinced that this guy didn't know what the hell that he was doing, right? That I literally switched the stuff on him and he could not figure out how to get oh, it to work. Man. And it embarrassed the shit out of sure. him. And, and he took me, he grabbed me by my shirt collar, dragged me out into the hallway and slammed me up against the lockers. lockers. We almost got in a fist fight. Like another teacher came and broke it up. I I didn't hit him, but I came really, really close. But I was kind of like, this is such bullshit. I could see the craziness in, in what all of this was back then, but my rebellious attitude and, you know, there was a lot in there that was just completely, this was my fault, but... I didn't know how to get out of it. You know, and it was just nonsense. It was like I right. could do, I could just see how nonsensical this was. Like this is so crazy. I go go home and we strip these cars down, me and my buddies, and we rebuild them and sell them. And they're trying to teach me how to put the right spark plug wires on right. the distributor. Yeah, like, it was below. It was below where your level of aptitude was in the yeah. Moment. Yeah, it was nuts. I was I was very hungry to learn more. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's clear. I mean, you you know, when we talk about you know your lifelong love of learning, you can see going way back even to when you were a small child and. Elementary school, You had a passion for learning. You just learned a completely different way, like we said before. And for you to just continue that moving forward, you know, like we started this conversation by talking about, you know, is there a difference? Uh, does your passion change over time? And I think your passion has stayed relatively the same. And if I had to put a finger on your passion, it would be you just love to learn. You love to study. Yeah. You're always studying around the office. You've got a book. You're listening to audio. You're walking down the hall. You've got an audio going, you're in your car, you're at home. Like you're always pulling out the most intricate and interesting pieces. And I think that's what our audience has grown accustomed to. And I think that's what the people who come to your live events are accustomed to because you bring these humanized stories in, but you're able to do it in such a way that it makes the everyman like me know that it's. It's potentially, yeah. it's potential for me. I've got what it takes right here. And you can make that change right now. There's a lot of people who will say, you know what? I'm, I'm mired in it. I'm so broke. I can't see out from underneath it. All this, you know, excuse, excuse, excuse. The truth is, is you can change it in an instant. You can get in yeah. your, get in your truck. You can drive to work. You can start without a deficit. That's the one thing that I loved is when you were pretending, pretending is not a right word. When you were visualizing, you know, that trip into the dock where you started to change your attitudes, you got to the office and you were not starting with a deficit. Like you did every other day before that. If you start each day with a deficit, you're working and clawing and scratching and grinding just to get up to break even. And you don't want to start that. You want to start at the even place. Right. And I think that's what I loved about um, all this. But your lifelong love of learning, we're all benefits to that for sure. Yeah,
1: I think so. And to answer your other question about the passion and going through your life. I think the problem is is that we're we're the 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 number one thing that we should be teaching children, which is about themselves right here's the deal when, when when we become an adult we shouldn't be the problem anymore right we're supposed to be the adults that are working on problems but the big problem is that we're still the problem right and and the reason that we're the problem is because we don't know how to manage this mind and emotional thing so we end up because we don't get it as kids we end up going through it as stages which has always been a very interesting thing in my own life and in helping other people because you never know what's going to pop up that's going to trigger something because it wasn't dealt with properly when you were a kid. So you've got like mountains of karma going on here um, that that every time you move forward, something else shows up. And if you're not paying attention, you can make, a, you can make an error pretty easily. Sure. But the thing is about the passion is that I think that people go through stages of life where – they when you when you're really dialed into what you want to do, the thing is is that sometimes people will just do that for the rest of their life. That's their deal. Other times people will go through different stages. And when they go through different stages, they're gonna notice something about themselves. It, it's like they this is no longer the thing anymore and they know that there is something else, but it shows up. It's not just like there's nothing there. It shows up. The key is, is that they have to be willing to let go of whatever the other thing was. So the idea behind that, which is the whole Buddha thing that I talked about earlier, was not to be attached to something because like uh, you could find out that, Oh my God, I've been doing all this because I'm going to go handle a major other problem in the world. And I was being prepared for that, but I didn't know that that's what was happening. So now what do I do with this that I've worked on for 30 years, right? Well, maybe it's time to let it go. But if you get stuck in that or you get stuck in my retirement or my husband or my wife or whatever, then you create chaos in the problem and it becomes difficult. No other life form has any problem with moving from one thing to another. I love those shows like with the elephants that walk 300 fucking miles from a waterhole to a waterhole right. and they've never been there before. They just do whatever nature tells them to do in the moment uh, for their for their journey in life. There's no resistance around it, right? It's not like you see the elephants going, fuck this, yeah. I don't want to walk yeah. 100 miles to the waterhole. We get hole. so in our own way. We get in our own way. Yeah, we we, do. It, we complain it, it, and bitch and moan and whine like a bunch of goddamn babies. We do, it. and it,
0: it's so interesting because you can change all that. You can you can be the person that says, you know, I'm not going to do that that way anymore. I'm going to change it right now. You know, one of the things I've been working on, and I haven't started reading the book yet, but you know, Steph pointed out to me this book called "A Complaint Free World" by Will Bowen that she purchased recently, and it sort of runs you through this 21 day exercise where you put a little you put a band on your right arm and. When you complain, you got to move it over to the left arm. So you try to go an entire day without Without complaining, complaining, right? And just the awareness of that exercise, just knowing that I look down and I see this band, I, I, it allows me to pause before i speak i haven't started it yet but i have started visualizing yeah. how this is going to go for me what's what i love about that is is that we as humans we are a work in progress we are not like our nature counterparts we do overcomplicate things we are guided in some way shape and form and maybe you're in you know a place right now where you're not feeling like what you're doing is something you're passionate or in your purpose but if you sort of let go like you did and start to allow yourself to be guided and just go with it. Just go to the watering hole, like get to the place where you feel like you can go. And if you start trusting in that, because a lot of times when you said attachments, I immediately thought of, you know, when I was a a school teacher for 11 years, I was going to, I was a lifer. I was not going to leave. And that wasn't that I was attached to it. It was what will everybody else think if I walk away? I've still got my principal who told me, when I decided to leave, oh, we'll, we'll hold your place for a couple of years so you can come back. You'll be back. Right. So I was making that decision for me, not for everybody else, but I can see how so many people, because it's risky. A lot of people are not going to take that risk. And it's unfortunate because they're going to stay in the same dead end place, the same dead end job that they're completely miserable just because they get,
1: and they're teaching our kids a certain
0: benefit package. Yeah. Or a certain, you know, three months off as teachers. It's really crazy. You can't, allow yourself to do that. You've got people who come through your events who are in their seventies and eighties, who are making a life change and are completely passionate and driven to the next phase of their life. They're not just going to sit there and, you know, play golf or, you know, sit at the RV park and, you know, watch the, you know, people cross the street. They are there to make a difference. And they're, they're actually for the first time in their life, which I think is so beautiful, listening to that tuning fork that's going off inside their body and they're just following it. But this is just a long winded way of me saying, I think it's it's interesting that we humans just get in our own way so often. If you just allow yourself to just let go and focus in, don't complain, don't start with a deficit, bring each and every, you know, this moment, you've been teaching a lot about this, This moment is all you have. There's nothing guaranteed in front of you. And what's in the past is in the past and it's gone. All you have is right now in this moment. And I think that is a lesson that we can all take from us. And I think that's where you're going to truly find out what that passion is and where
1: you're being guided. Well, you know, the idea in that complaint-free day, if if something goes wrong right now, the only way that you'll feel bad about it is if you compare it to something you think that you're not in the past, right? right? Because everything is actually going right. There's nothing going wrong right? Everything's actually going right. But we live in a world that's so fucking judgmental. I got to do this. I have, what other people are going to think of me? This is a mistake. What if this fucks up? What about, I mean, we just make ourselves crazy in that idea. But if we could just stay present in that moment and be like, there's nothing goes wrong. Nothing goes wrong. It's our attachments to ideas about things that are perceived as wrong that's where we get into trouble.
0: Right. Okay, so let's finish with this one. Just a fun little aside here. So if you were going to build a poster and the poster was going to be titled Passion, of all the people you've studied and all the amazing minds that you've delved into, is there anyone in particular who stands out that you would put on that poster and said, that is what passion is to me?
1: You mean as far as a, a, representation, a of, representation of an actual of an real, actual, indiv- a real indiv- individual, individual person? Yeah.
0: I've I've got one that jumps out to me immediately off the top of my head. Yeah, there's a couple of people I yeah. could put up there. Yeah. Who would you put on yours?
1: Um I'd put Carl Lagerfeld up there. I would put uh Keith Richards yes. up there. I had a feeling. Um there's some other people I think I would put well, up I'll tell there. you
0: what the first the one that jumped into mind is is Kobe Bryant like that guy succeeded in every single thing yeah, that he did yeah, like him he and is passionate Mar- Michael Jordan I, a lot of minor sports related yeah, for sure yeah. I had a feeling you would bring Keith Richards in because of the longevity that he's done it and the 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 boyish fun that he seems to bring to everything he does yeah. I think it's it, it's really one of those fascinating pieces and I just I've got this article that I pulled up from Ink magazine the 10 remarkable habits of the most passionate people And this is what they say the the remarkable habits are for these people. They approach everything with enthusiasm no matter what. They have grit to persevere and they never make excuses. They know what they have to work. They know that they have to work at being happy. They have laser focus. They believe in themselves and have deep self-confidence. They're perfectionists, but they push themselves to move past it. They seek inner and outer peace They have a support system in place. They have a deep perspective that it's just work, not life or death. And they are self-starters and remain motivated in the most difficult situations. There's a few on that list that I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, But there are some that I, they're definitely the enthusiasm piece. You know, it's not a fake until you make it. Like I'm genuinely excited to do what I do right now. I have grit to persevere. This is a relatively new thing. I used to be one of those people that the sky is falling because that was my programming. Now it's every problem has a solution. Yeah. So when I start to think about who I'd put on my poster, it would probably be a Kobe Bryant. It would probably be, um, you know, like a like a, a Joe Montana. It would be like these amazing athletes from my past that I admired and looked up to because they just seem to have fun. Brett Favre, he, they just seem to have fun doing what they're yeah. doing. And even though they, they mess up and they get addicted to opioids and they do crazy things and they kind of say stupid stuff, they are... Passionate about what they're well, doing. Richards and they're was a judgment. heroin
1: addict for ten years. Right, right, but here's the thing: for me, the number one thing is that they accept themselves. Keith Richards, Thank again, you. I don't know that much. I mean, I, I I've studied a lot of these guys, but um, I don't really know like Mick Jagger, like how he thinks really in his heart. He's 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 an intellectual. He doesn't really let people in as much. But Keith's a pretty open book. And he's been very transparent with it over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, he just ex- has always accepted himself the way that he is. He never thinks about, you know, he's like, I want to do drugs. So I want to do drugs. That's not any of your business. That's what I want to do. And he was willing to get arrested for it and, sure. and all those, like he didn't give a shit. So I, there, there's very few people that I actually see that accept themselves so totally that it doesn't matter what they do and when other people think about what they do, they're going to do it anyway. Lagerfeld was one of those guys. Lagerfeld was also a very misunderstood guy. But he, uh, that's the way he lived his life. He'd give a shit what anybody thought about what, what he did. There's a few people that are out there that are like that. And I really think that they're missing something by not having that idea on the list. Accept A hundred percent accept yourself, Except right? Yourself. Because that list is more about doing, Right. And and that kind of passion is about who you're being. That's an inside out job. Yeah, that's an inside out job. But all your guys are the same way. I mean, they couldn't be as great as they were without that they didn't give a shit with
0: anybody. Though. It's true. And that that as is as far as
1: I know anyway. That is
0: the goal. I think that is the goal in in life should be to get to a place where you accept yourself 100% for who you are and you are in a process of being that person every single day of your life. Not because of what everybody else tells you you should be but yeah. what you say that yeah. you want to be. I love it. Yeah. This is this is great. Love talking about passion. Clearly you're passionate about this. This is an amazing conversation. Thanks, David.
1: You bet. All right. All
0: right. All right, everyone. Well, there you have it. Passion. I love this conversation that we had today. I hope you found it exciting as well. You know, we're really passionate about what we do here. And we do this because we love to hear what you guys have to say. And we're hoping that this makes a difference. Do us a favor. Leave us a comment down below. Let us know how we are doing. And also let us know if you were building the perfect passion poster. Who are you? putting on that poster. Who personifies passion for you? I hope that you are a part of that list. And until the next time, we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Bring some passion today.